and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. In this week's show, we talk about the Bears' 28-15 home win against Quinns that made it five league victories on the bounce for Bristol. We'll discuss the arrival of Ben Earl and Max Mallins on loan for next season, talk Six Nations and round up other rugby news. We'll then take the second half of the show to speak with former Bristol scrum half Mark Newell about his time playing for Bristol at the Mem. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined by Lee, Pete and our special guest Mark for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, Pete, back at your house again. Um, thanks very much for hosting. I see there's there's no um, underwear garments hanging around. Well, no clean ones, Tony, I think you need to point out. Well, yeah, I, I, I obviously made a bit more of an effort this week because uh, got a little bit of stick last week for... You know, for the uh, for the washing, and also um, my missus is away this weekend, so that the washing machine hasn't been on for once. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought, I'd, yeah, give it clean for you. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Good to see you again, boys. Second second week in a row. And uh, regular listeners might uh, know that uh, instead of a Miles, we've got a Mark. So, Mark, thanks very much for coming along. Uh, I've got to say that Miles. Yeah, he's skiing, I believe. Is it Cloisters, where all the posh people go? That's right. Uh, That's where he is. But what's really surprised me is your partner has gone as well. And I didn't know she'd become lady-in-waiting for the Duchess. I was going to say, I mean, she's... uh... She got the call. I mean, obviously she works around their house uh, on a regular basis, you know, tidying up, cleaning up, um, you know, looking after the uh, the royal children. Um, but yeah, she, she's gone out there to uh, to look after them or on the slopes, put the skis on for them and uh, hang up their stuff. Yeah. Uh, apparently having a reasonable time. Jolly good. Well, let's talk about that victory today, the one that made it five in a row. Uh, Lee, I'm going to come to you first. Your, your, your overall thoughts of the performance today before we start talking about players in more detail obviously I mean 47 seconds great start more hand going over Um, I mean it was a funny game really because I thought it was I thought we were commanding but without actually I mean the first half was great but the second half I think it just petered out a little bit and um and again, obviously, we'll get we'll come to that later on. But you know, there's still a few mistakes that we need to to work on. Yeah, Mark, um, welcome to the show. Thanks for for joining us today. Um, your 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 overall thoughts on the performance? I thought it was excellent performance. Um, you know, especially Harlequins on a little bit of roll. Watched them last week, and the way we just defended and um, just kept them out, and they didn't look like they were going to beat us. Um, second half was a little bit dull, but the, in that first minute, I thought Luatu was. Uh, offload you know best part of the game and that could set us on the way absolutely Pete uh, Mark touched on it there defence again uh, another huge defensive effort your, your your thoughts today yeah I mean I think if you think you know back to two years ago when we first went up to the premiership and I remember we all sat there watching and, and we all got sort of taken back by how kind of professional a lot of those teams where we were playing and we look we looked a little bit out of our depth. And I just think think how far we've come in a couple of seasons, even from last year as well. And you know, today again I agree. I mean, we're so solid, we've got serious, you know, serious muscle in that team and we've got some fantastic ball players. Yeah, I mean today was a typical, you know, Bristol performance, some fantastic rugby, great start. And then as soon as we had that great start, we then kind of made a few sloppy mistakes and get, got them back in the game. But fundamentally, um, you know, it was pretty commanding. And again, it, in a way, it was positive because it means we've got still got so much more to give, I reckon, as a team. And next year is just looking more and more tasty. 
as, as time goes on. But yeah, and I take nothing away from Hollywood. I thought one or two of their players had good games as well. It shows that, you know, how good we were. You know, Don Brandt, I thought was impressive. Ibi Toyer on the wing looks absolute class. And when Marcus Smith came on, I mean, I think we were, we all agreed we were quite happy he didn't play the full game because he, he looked uh, the real business as well. So I think, uh, you know, just a good all round performance with lessons to be learned. Yeah, let's talk about some of those indiv- individual performances then. Um, Morahan, two tries today. Um, that first one, as you said, Lee, after 47 seconds. Um, then we had the second one, the little kick through. If I come to, to Mark on that, that's um, one that went to the TMO. What was your initial thoughts at the game? Do you, did you think it was a knock-on or, or did you think it was the Quinns player that had touched the ball first? No, I, I think on first view, you felt he slapped it down, the Harlequins player. And then it was just a case of where did the ball land anyway? And, um, you know, it seemed to clear that very, very quickly uh, on first to- first take. It was a it was a try and it was given. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a- again, a deft little chip through from um, Charles Piertau, I think, right, right in front of us in, yeah. the, in, the, in the Dolman. Um, Lee, and then the third try, Chris Vui. Um yeah, he, he's he's making a bit of a habit of these stretch out one arm and uh, get it over the line. Well, it's two, two in two now for Vui, isn't it this yeah. season? So yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was that was the settler I think for us. That was I mean, we could relax a little bit then, and um, unfortunately the team relaxed with them. But uh, I think that try was was the one really that put us away. Pete, I think um, we've been a bit remiss over these uh, twenty six episodes, Tony. Though I don't think we've given Chris Vui enough credit for what he's been doing this season because I think he could have been man of the match today as well. Mm. And I think he is such a, a linchpin of our team. I mean, he's, he's often the first receiver, but he's also, you can see him out on the wing. I mean, he's a great line-out specialist. And he seems like, a, you know, despite slightly dodgy Barnett, is a, you know, is just a, a decent bloke as well. And I, I think, you know, when the, the end of the season, when we look back, his performances, his consistency mm. of performances are fantastic as well. And again, today, you know, when you see him, I, you know, I think, again, stretching for that ball, it was great to see him come up with the, with the ball. Um, and I think what a great signing he was from that time from Worcester. Remember that time we went to Worcester yeah. and he absolutely destroyed us about two years ago. Mm. And I think it's been you know a fantastic signing. Yeah, um, Mark, I just wanted to come to you. This is, I think, the second time that Pat's made six changes. Um, it was five or six, wasn't it, for the Bath game and mm-hmm. for this game. Um, what did you make of that when you saw the team come out on Friday? Um, more changes than you were expected or a, a kind of positive thing to, to, to get more of the players involved? No, I, I think he, he sets things up two, three weeks ahead. Um, it, it, excellent planning. Horses for courses, in a way. You knew the type of game Harlequins were going to bring. Mm-hmm. And um, so you felt there for Randall against Kerr. That was a fantastic matchup. Hughes back in because you knew Don Brandt was going to be there. And uh, no, I think it's just um, it, it's just one game at a time. The right players in the, in the right slots. And um, so far, five games in a row, the decision seems to be uh, going very well. Absolutely. And Pat, we trust. I was, I was pleased. I thought Jan Thomas um, had a really good shift in that first half. It was nice to see him now getting a bit of game time. Um, obviously, Jake Walmore, big uh, supporter of the podcast, then to be able to come on. Um, mm. I think, you know, this is, the, I think we've talked about this before. This is one of the things for me is it really is a 23 game. 23 uh, man. 23 man game now, yeah. isn't it? That that actually compared to where we were um, three, four years ago when we were last up, actually when the bench comes on, 
there, there is no difference in the, the style of pay, play or the quality of play. Um, uh, and, you know, to, to bring on the, 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 the people that we, we were able to bring on today, um, it just doesn't affect it. Mm. I mean, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I am slightly worried at Hooker now because obviously facts are still out. And that didn't look good for Capon because no. uh, he was, you know, his left leg was, was uh, strapped up. Yeah. heavily at the end on crutches. Mark, I think you've got a bit of um, inside, inside, inside knowledge. Yeah, I work with uh, Will's mum, so we talk every Monday morning about uh, his performance or when he gets on and how he's played. That's why you're always bigging him up. Uh, I, that's one of the reasons I'm always bigging him up, but also because uh, I haven't seen him lose a scrum since he's uh, come on this season. Um, no, I just, I've heard from mum, he had a very bad dead leg uh, and a neck injury as well. Obviously, the physios will look after him, and with the week's break, hopefully, um, he'll be back on the field in a couple of weeks. I think we should mention Capon needs to get mentioned in dispatches for that fantastic little uh, flick back for the Bowie try, um, which we couldn't see really in the Dolman. Where we were, we just saw a load of bodies, and the ball suddenly popped out. When I saw it back on the replay, I mean, for a young lad that was proper, sensible thinking rugby, knows he's going into touch, yeah. can see, you know, big decision making, thinking clearly under pressure, flicks it back, and he's got the skill to do it, flicks it back inside. I think you mentioned it, luckily, it went to the smallest bloke on the pitch, which was Randall, so he could pick it up, flick out, and then we score a try. And we've, I mean, we've been a big fan of uh, Will Capon when yes. he comes on with the cap on, haven't we? And, uh, you know, I think he's, uh, he's, he's, he's cementing his position massively. Let's, so let's hope. His dead leg doesn't last too long, and he'd be yeah. ready for the Saracens game. He's, he's got an old head on young shoulders, I think. Is you know like that. I mean, a lot of the youngsters, you don't expect them to have that kind of uh, nous, really, do you? Because like you say, we knew he was going out into touch, mm-hmm. and to get that ball back, and then boom, we've got to try. Yeah, you know, and that's that's game over. I like the fact that he, he's. I don't know if anyone's actually told him this, but he's got that like that. His yellow scum scrum cap. I always think it's a good idea to have something that just distinguishes you from from the rest of the crowd because you can see what he's doing. And I think you know it's almost becoming his little thing, isn't it? The old yellow head yeah. and. Uh, and the good performances, obviously. So Mrs. Capon should be very happy. Well, we rely on quick ball, and and and, and Will is very very good at clearing out that uh, that mm-hmm. you no know, potential jackler. Yeah. And he, he's injured a few players legally doing it. Providing that quick ball, that gives the uh, likes of CP and the wingers the opportunity to uh, yeah. to run in freedom. That's what we want, isn't it? Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, let's hope that um, he's okay. Um, Burn came on to make his. Um, uh, first appearance on loan from it's Leinster isn't it uh, that he's come from it is Leinster Miles yeah. gave us the whole um, I don't remember last yeah, week yeah. gave us the whole rundown it's the only thing he did give us yeah yeah wait they googled Felipe Contaponi is a is a coach no, Leinster and that was it that's right I was a bit surprised I, I didn't I didn't he was smaller than I I thought he yeah. was going to be actually um, maybe he's one of these very nimble kind of hookers a ball playing hooker but um, to be sure absolutely well let's have a look at some of the other results from this weekend um, uh, Exeter 57 20 <laughs> ooh did they get a beating down at Sandy Park um Tough place to go, though, Tone, isn't it? Really, it, a tough place to go, but to rack up nearly sixty points, um, you know, against Bath. I mean, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't didn't really see a, a win of that size coming. Um, then maybe if I can get um, Mark to comment on this next one: Wasps thirty nine, Gloucester twenty two. Two teams that seem to be going. 
completely in opposite directions at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw the game. Uh, I thought Wasps played some outstanding rugby. They seem to have um, a sort of boost of confidence. Uh, you know, just just the smile on their face. Uh, the uh, New Zealand fullback playing, and there was criticism back in New Zealand about. You no, know, he's gone downhill. I thought he had a fantastic yeah. game. Uh, no, no, um, Sopoang Sopoaga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Fekita, a class player yeah, he showed against good. us um, yeah. early on in the season and yeah they're, they're going to be a team to watch as, as we race towards the uh, playoffs mm. yeah. it's, it's interesting because they're, they're kind of upturn in form ah, has sort of correlated mm. with when Dai Young left and uh, which is a I mean I, I just read I've read a few little things you know actually people saying you know it isn't you know it, it perhaps is just one of those things that they were always kind of building a little bit and it's a bit of a coincidence that they've they play well but I agree with you I think when you actually look at their team you know they have got some class players and when it clicks and it's like anything in sport isn't it I mean they've got a bit of momentum they, uh, they've got a bit of uh, support behind them and off they go and, and Lee we're um, all off to the shed at the end of this month yes. to watch um, Gloucester versus Bath but Gloucester really, is that now they've lost is it four or maybe oh, five really? in it, it, on, on the spin um, and they can't really put too much down to um, losing big internationals no. uh, there's there's something not clicking at the club is there no so, I mean it's hard to see really what's gone wrong because I mean he started the season okay didn't they but yeah, like you said, they've really tailed off, and um, and at the moment I can't see them making a comeback. I mean, don't see them. Uh, they're not playing anywhere near the standard they should be for the players they've got on the pitch. Through the yeah. trap door, aren't they? Can mm. I just clarify something? Do you say we're going to the shed? Is that where we've got the tickets? We are in the shed. Oh, so, any stand, isn't it? Any, any listeners that want to give us a bit of protection as we uh, we enter the shed and right is, behind enemy lines, there is, is Miles coming to that one as well. Yeah, no, I said protection. Not I was going to say, but is it, is, it, is it sensible to bring him along to that? I might bring the guard. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, then we had Saracens 24, Leicester 13. Um, Sale 39, London Irish nil. Um, didn't see that one coming. Not necessarily the Sale win, but London Irish have been on a bit of a roll and to to, to not score a point. Um uh, it just so, shows the set sale are really motoring. I, I, yeah. th- they are the team I think personally are going to finish second behind yeah. Exeter. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and then of course Worcester ten, Northampton sixteen. Not a particularly spectacular game. I watched that most of that so one on Friday night. night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Northampton a little bit off the boil, but have got some England players to come back. So that leaves the table with Exeter top on forty five, Sale forty points, Bristol thirty eight. And Northampton 35. So, uh, what's that? 13 rounds out of the 22 gone, uh, and we're sitting in third place. So, um, I think this. We, uh, can we mention the record now? You, if you'd like to mention the record, well, Lee. Well, obviously today's result, wasn't it? Was uh, was five wins on the banks, and the first time we've done that in top flight. Absolutely, well, that's pretty impressive. Something to be really proud of. And you know, I, I was thinking back. Probably, it was around. When did we have that really great season? It was about 2006, 2007 when we came third in the league. Yeah, was, um, yeah. I don't think I can remember as a Bristol fan feeling as assured about our league possession mm-hmm. position as I, I have felt this season. Um, it's always uh, always looking over your shoulder. Um, and this season, it's just been looking, looking up to the top four yeah. Um, and thinking, you know, we stand a real chance of being there now and feeling that we it wasn't just one or two lucky results at the start of the season. Actually, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're worth the place there. And also, I mean, it's, that's not anything to do with 
concerning salaries and the fact there's no relegation. I mean, it's actually, you know, for once, because we're, we're all quite, we're optimistic, straight pessimistic at the same time as Bristol fans, aren't we? And normally we would look down, but obviously this season, right from the start, we've just looked above us each time. Well, we've had to look below at times because we've been top of the table, but yeah, it's a, it's a nice change too. Right, well, let's let's move on from today's game. Um, and we had the news during the week that uh, we've got two of Saracen's players come in to join us on loan for next season, uh, Ben Earl and Max Mallins. And Mark, I'm just interested to um, get your view. There's been lots of talk on social media, uh, lots of people saying it's a great move. Others are questioning whether we should be um, just looking after these players for a year, knowing that they're, they're going to go back to their parent club. What, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. You know, if, if you're the incumbent player and someone's just coming for a year, um, you might feel, you know, there's, there's, there's pressure on and is it deserved pressure? I mean, I saw Ben Earls break onto the scene at the beginning of this season uh, for Saracens and it looks like an absolutely outstanding player. Um, and I, I just think we talked earlier about strength off the bench and injuries. Um, we, we've missed Thomas when he was injured. Uh, back row is a position where there's often a lot of injuries. And I, I think competition is brilliant. Um, though I can see those, those guys I, I talked to after the game who think just for a year, it might be a little bit um, short-sighted. I don't think so personally. I think they'll just add to the uh, strength of the squad. Well, Pete, yeah. I mean, I, I think Pat was quite clear when he's, he, he, he uh, was interviewed about it and he said, you know, we're, we're aiming to be on two fronts next year. We're on, you know, we're aiming to be Champions League and we're aiming to be, you know, cons- consolidating top of the Premiership. And he said, you know, we we will need players. We will need players. And even if it's for a year, he still talked, even though that, he still talked about the fact they could be coachable and he could improve them. And, you know, and, and I think we have to... We have to be a little bit pragmatic next year, and uh, and 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 of course, someone mentioned somewhere that a lot of players are only on, you know, two year contracts sometimes, three years. So it's actually yeah. not massively different than 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 some players we might have. And you know, and I think we mentioned this last week, and I think that when they come for the year and they see the training ground and they come to the gate and you know they they buy into what we assume is a very good culture in the team. You know they'll give it their hundred percent for us, and the fans will cheer them. And if it, if Earl sort of Earl streaks down the wing, because I mean we obviously like to put some of our forwards on the wing, and you know they'll be up for that sort of thing. We'll we'll be cheering them all the way. I mean, I mean, I yeah, we we also want to go and see good rugby, don't we? And we want to see exciting players. And um, and actually, Pat gave a good stat that he said that you know his pillar is English players and and also Bristol players. You know, and he's been. You know, think about the, the the support he's given Joycey as well. I mean, you know, he's, he's he's he loves him and he's playing all the time. And I think you know he reckons we have eighty percent squad of English players next year. So, you know, I can see what some people moan a bit about it, but I think it will enhance and add value to uh, to the experience for us. Fans. Well, well, on our Twitter account, we we put a poll out there before today's game, um, saying Saracens duel Ben Earl and Max Mullins will join Bristol next season on one year loan deal before returning to Saris. How do you feel about this? Seventy four percent of people said great, even just for a year. Twenty uh, percent not sure about this, and just six percent thought loans were the wrong approach. Um, so. 
I, I, I'm really excited, I think, yeah. to have these players. You know, they're both young. And even if they do go back to um, Saracens for a couple of years, potentially, you know, if they played with Pat, they've seen the facilities here. And one thing I'm really interested in to get everybody's views on, everyone is just assuming that Saracens are going to bounce straight back up. Um, and, you know, it almost seems odd thinking that, you know, this great team that have won the premierships, that have won all these champions uh, cups in Europe wouldn't. But but normally when a, a team goes down, they pretty much keep a squad together mm. um, and then they'll come and, you know, mo- most teams will lose one, possibly two games. Um, Saracens, they're shipping out loads of players that you would say would have made that bench the, the the kind of A-team. They're talking about all their international players still being able to play for England. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think if I was at Pirates or uh, Trailfinders, I might be thinking, well, let's give it a really good go because I, I don't know if Saracens are just taking for granted a little bit the, the, the championship. Anyway, interested to hear your thoughts. Um, what? I've lost my train of thought. Well, well, whether you think Saracens are a shoo-in to oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. straight back up. Uh, I mean, statistically, history suggests that this is, you know, that they will come back up because everyone that gets relegated does, generally. Um, I think you've got, a, you know, it's good theory that Tony. I think there's a there's something in that um, because obviously, you know, these players they kept and re-signed aren't necessarily going to play for them next year. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of I, I feel like I, I need a different alternative opinion to what you've said there, Tom. I find it quite difficult to think of one. So well, I'll well, endorse yeah, it. Maybe Mark it's, it's it's something sensible and intelligent. They're, they're second stroke third team, which is pretty impressive to me. Yeah. And um, no, I, I would say they will bounce straight back. And they do have some fantastic youngsters in their setup. Their academy's been strong. I mean, for all the criticism of what happened in terms of the, the wage cap, those young players they brought through to not only the, mm. the, the England side, but other international sides. Um, and the likes of Richard Hill, I remember seeing Itoje as a 19-year-old down at Clifton playing for Saracens 18, etc. You know, they've been well coached. Mm. And right. um, so I, I can see them bouncing back. Yeah, yeah I think so. But I think yeah. unlike a lot of teams that go down, you think <laughs> potentially have got five or six people that will be on international duty for... Uh, 10 weeks of the season. I absolutely take the point. You look at probably their academy team and they could beat most of the teams in that championship. But I, I don't necessarily... No. I think it'd be interesting to see how the first few games go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, somebody's phone's vibrating there. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Right. It is... Uh, hang on. It's... Um, uh, skiing? No. It's... Uh, yeah, it's Jackson, Jackson Ray. He oh. said, what the hell do you think? We're, of course we're going to come back up again. You're not seeing me. <laughs> well, let, let's move on because we've got a lot, lot to get through. Uh, Six Nations. Um, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, really, England's win. It, it was comfortable until the last five or ten minutes. Um, few talking points. Lee, I'm going to come to you first. Um, ball tampering. Um, well, <laughs> I, 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 hang on, I knew, I knew it would be me getting this first question. We, we, we've had it in cricket, um, and obviously Joe Marler um, decided that he was going to get friendly with uh, Alan Wynne Jones. Um, what do you think? I mean, is is it a bit of this is rugby banter, or actually is this something that's unacceptable now in the twenty first century? Well, I have to admit. Um, I mean. I did think uh, Gareth Thomas's comments at halftime were quite funny, um, taking on just on that 
concept on that individual uh, item. But I mean, you know, Marta was it was a silly thing to do. We all agree with that, you know. Um, I, you know, obviously Alan Wynn wasn't very happy about it, mm. um, and I, I, I don't really want to put. I don't want to answer completely honestly because I feel like I might go more towards the the banter side of things and mm. and obviously I you know we don't want to upset oh, anyone right. today do we everyone's entitled to their opinion Pete your your thoughts well I I think personally I laughed quite a lot when it happened I've got to say but actually in hindsight I mean it was a bit more about Joe Marlon really than anything and I I think he's becoming a little bit of a parody of himself and I wonder whether it was a bit of a a Joe Marler promoting Joe Marler thing, you know, being a bit provocative, not, you know, because we technically, there is a, a sanction for grabbing someone's testicles, which is like, it's four weeks or even worse, isn't it? Mm. But of course, I think that was written with the idea of somebody at the bottom of a ruck yanking a bit more than, uh, but, you know, I, I think the thing is, there are kids watching, there is, you know, there was, a, I mean, the BBC, the comment, I mean, the ITV commentators took it quite lighthearted. It was quite funny, mm. but it kind of did it. Was it really necessary? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I, I'm a bit, I think, you know, it was, it, it was, it was all about Joe Marler mm-hmm. and getting a reaction. Mark, well, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it diffused the situation and I can see the funny side to it. If Win Jones had smacked him. Mm. It'd be very interesting to see when they looked at the uh, video mm. um, mitigation, etc. We saw a red card today, and 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 the the prop from France obviously had a, had, had a little bit of um, a wind up from the the, the, the Scottish front row. Um, but no, I think Win Jones sees the funny side of it. But when I heard him talk about it after the game, sort of he was looking at it from take take the people out, take Marler out of it, and take mm. Win Jones out of it. Um, it, it shouldn't go on a rugby field. You know, it's not a good example to set, is it? And, got, you know, if Marler had got a yellow card or something worse for it, he, he would have been, you know, cost England potentially the, the, the game. So, um, yeah, may, maybe it would have it raised a smile at the time, but really it's not something we want to see in rugby. Um, it's not really the spirit of the game. Hi, I'm Nathan Hughes. You're listening to Beers Beyond the Gate. Um, right, let's go to uh, one or two questions that we've had come in on social media. Um, uh, let me just find them on social media. Loads, loads. Loads. We've got about five accounts. Here we go. Right, um, we had, and I'm going to come to Mark on this one first. Um, uh, supporter of the show Simon Tillotson at Simon Tillotson um, enjoyed uh, the pod as ever uh, in the morning commute interested in your thoughts about Matt Prothero and importance of playing in Wales to play for Wales um, obviously we've lost a few players um, in recent years that have, have gone on to try and improve their uh, international ambitions um, your, your thoughts about the whole rule of um, players having to, to be based in Wales to play for the country uh, and Prothero in particular, um, your thoughts about him going and, you know, do, do you see him as a potential international player for Wales? Absolutely. He's uh, lit up Ashton Gate with his performances this year. He's absolute live wire when he comes into the line. I think you've got to look at it from different perspectives. I think from the Welsh domestic game, they want their best players playing in Wales, you know, and um, we just have to accept that. Um, 
I think it's it's interesting that one with the sixty cap rule, and yet Canham Shudi can go and play for them with the the no caps at all. Yeah, mm. um, that seems a little little bit of a contrast there. But I think it's gone on in rugby, you know, for 20, 30 years. You know, you, th- you think of the internationals that have come to Bristol from just across the bridge, uh, and, and they've added to it, and then they've gone back and and, and continued their their Wales career. From my point of view, I much prefer young Welsh players playing really well for Bristol and then going back across the bridge than us getting the 35-year-olds at the end of their career. Those Mm. days are long gone. Absolutely. Uh, This next one for for Pete um, from Alistair Stephen on Twitter. Alistair at Alistair underscore Stephen. Um, A question I've been pondering is around Bedlow O'Connor partnership. Is it working as a partnership or does it need the return of Siali to make the centres work properly? Well, I think the fact we've won five on the bounce suggests that things are working in the team as a whole, and that includes all the little partnerships across our team. I mean, as as you know, I'm a, I'm a big Bedlow fan for various reasons, um, but I think he's still a raw player. But I like him. I like the cut of his jib, and I think he's uh, you know he's got some issues with his distribution at times. I think. Um, and you know, but he's a solid player, and he was up against that big unit Lizicky today, and uh, you know he didn't he did a great job against him, and he's I mean defensively, I think Bedlow will get stuck in, and I think I think he is you know he's been forced into that position clearly because of Pietau's injury. I think O'Connor is a is a step ahead of him, but he's had a bit longer to develop, um, and yeah, I mean I think I think they're doing as well as they can. Um, I think the proof of the pudding is in our results. I think you know Pietau probably will get that role back again. Um, but I think I mean I, I really like Bedlow, and I mean the size of his thighs I saw today, the thigh radius was uh, he was warming up near us. I was impressed. It's mainly his barnet I've been concentrating on over the season, but now he's cut that off. Um, Should we be so, worried about you? These, these well, little you know, I like nuances that keep I, I, like I like to look at the individuals in the team. I, like, I don't see them you as little units you, and cogs in a machine. I like to see their little quirks and their. That's exactly you know. what we're saying. You look at them a little too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, can I keep my meter distance already? <laughs> yeah. Is that my next move? <laughs> so, so to answer to answer Alistair's question. Um, I, I'm, I think they've done a good job. I think they've had the odd, you know, the odd bad game here and there. And I think, you know, Piers O'Connor at, at one point probably was overplayed to a certain amount. He yeah. had a bit of a break, came back, and he was, he was, he was, he was good again. Yeah, so, I agree. you know, I think it's the best partnership we've got at the moment. Um, but I think, you know, Piertau clearly is class and, and may well, and the competition is what we want for places, and that uh-huh. drives up standards. Yeah, well, if we just move on to the next one, because, you know, we've got a lot to get through. Um, I'll come to, to Lee with this one. Steve Hamilton, at Steve Hammy on um, Twitter. Uh, he's talking about um, the, the loan deal for the two Saracens players. If they are on loan, how does that work with the s- salary cap? And this is something we had a chat about before the pod. I mean, we don't know the details of the, um, the deal itself. But I'm, I mean, I'm guessing, and it is totally a guess, but I'm guessing it's, it's probably like, um, you know, like they have in football where Bristol pay a percentage of their wage. Um, but that's the only thing I could think of. So, I mean, obviously it fits into the salary cap absolutely fine. And I mean, Pat, you know, there's one thing that Pat is straight on is the salary cap business. So the maths will have already been done. But I mean, that's what I'm guessing that this, this probably is what they do. So we pay a percentage. Yeah. Okay. Next one. I'm going to come to Mark on this. This is from Partly Trained at Part Trained on Twitter. Um, Bears beyond the gate. A great win today, but we've become bonus point shy. 
Any ideas why? We've only taken four bonus points so far, third worst in the league. But then put in brackets, but yet another stat where we're above Bath. Yeah, no, bonus points are all well and good and they made the game very exciting today because obviously uh, Harlequins were going for the bonus point in the last couple of minutes, giving us the chance to go for the bonus point. I think it's a really good addition to the to the structure and the games. I'm just really happy that we get three or four points a game, sometimes five, mm. um, rather than like fighting for that bonus point yeah. um, a, a, as we saw Quinns doing. I'd much rather be in our position than theirs um, and hopefully it won't be too costly at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. Absolutely right. It's not about bonus points, but I think today we all felt we could have. That there was today. a bit of a bonus point when begging at the end, where we were. But then again, that's rugby. You know, we we could argue and say, oh, the forward should have kept it in a bit more and punched for. And, and I said, oh, you know, Andy Uren spat span it out wide a bit early. But then again, if it had gone to hand and it flicked on, we got a try. You know, it, it's uh, we would have been cheering away there. So you, it is what it is, isn't it? All the part of the game. game. And I think. We scored a lot of bonus points last year because we were losing narrowly. I think the difference is this season we're winning narrowly. Um, So instead of picking up one or possibly two points, um, we're picking up four or five, as Mark said. Right, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate, And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Right. Um, second half of the show then. Mark, great to have you. I mean, Miles normally sits in this chair and I wouldn't say he's the uh, uh, an expert on rugby. Well, I wouldn't say he's well, an expert in anything. <laughs> But Mark, you, you have played for Bristol and um, and it was in that era just leading up to uh, professionalism, I believe, in the in, in the mid-90s. So, um, yeah, t- tell us a bit about how, how you got started with Bristol. Yeah, I was sort of uh, at school in Bristol. Um, the, the, the school of the, the time was St. Brendan's. So playing for St. Brendan's uh, in, in a good first 15, at sort of 17 and 18. Um, the, the gateway to Bristol was through Bristol Colts. Uh, and um, the guy, chap called Elwyn Price, um, was both based at St. Brendan's and at Bristol. And um, that, was, that was the way for, for a young player to come through in those days. Uh, the Bristol United uh, was a very, very strong team. And so I played a lot of games for the United. And I think it's sort of a breakthrough season was on the back of Kieran Bracken's injury. He, he got stamped on by Jamie Joseph, um, our second or third choice scrum half. And um, it gave me a sort of run of, game, run of games for Bristol, which I, I look back with very fond memories. That's fantastic. And, and Neil Williams, uh, the club statistician that helps us out on the podcast, he's been away for a, a few weeks on a holiday, but Pete got in contact with him and we've got a few stats, Mark. Um, you, you played 39 games for the first 15, scoring nine tries and kicking a conversion. Um, and also played 48 United A games, scoring 15 tries and a penalty and a first uh, conversion. Your debut um, was, can you remember who you played for, if friendly? Uh, I played against Nottingham uh, as my first, but there could have been one off the bench. That was my first full Right, full game. I don't know. Well, we we got a different story. Right, Um, your first team debut was as a replacement. You're right, but it was for a wing for wing David Essen in a home friendly against Bath. 
uh, on the 14th of April 1990. You lost 13 22. So, I guess. You lost. Yeah. The team. That wasn't the first time I came on the winning against Bath either. So, it's interesting. We might get back to Neil and just. But then, mm. then you you played. Uh, I can see here ninety two, ninety three season, ninety three, ninety four, ninety four, ninety five, uh, ninety five, ninety six. What what was it like um, playing for your hometown um, at the Mem in front of all those fans? It it, it must have been a fact. Because how old were you when you when you first started playing for for the first team? Yeah, eighteen, eighteen, nineteen. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty mm. impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I sort of grew up in Bristol and going to watch sort of the um, South West against the All Blacks and, and the sort of the mighty John Player Cup side, etc. And to play against, sorry, play with some of those guys a few years later, I just look back as a, as, as a great privilege. You talk about going to the shed in, in a few weeks at Gloucester, you all remember the, the shed at, at Bristol. Um, no, the crack there and the comedy and, and, and the comments and the warmth between the players and supporters was, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was great days. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm really interested in um, any any big names that you played against uh, and maybe favourite places, favourite grounds that, that you visited over the years. Yep. Um, back in those days, there was a lot of touring sites. You don't get that these days. So um, the New Zealand Barbarians came over um, with the likes of Dylan Micah, Pat Lamb, um, Kevin Putt, the scrum half. And um, typical Bristol, the lights went out at half time. I always remember that. I always remember that game. We were looking for fifty piece to put in the meter, and I was, you know, in the tunnel with with with, with the uh, Auckland players or, or the New Zealand Barbarians, and um, and then yeah, we, we sort of used to go to clubs like Oral and playing against Dowie Morris, who was the incumbent yeah. incumbent scrum half at the time for England. And he'd sit there with his fag and his cup of tea and, and, and make me as a sort of 19, 20 year old feel very welcome to the, uh, to the environment. You know, there's some, some, some you know, cl- clubs, it, you know, it's, it's a shame when you look back. I had some great times at Nottingham. I thought Nottingham was a great ground to go and play at. Um, what about the Welsh sites? Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, how, this is how times have changed. I, I was a school teacher at sort of 2021. 20, and uh, I, I'd leave school at half past three. I, I'd get to the memorial ground for sort of half past four. And we'd get on the bus for Aberavon and Pontypridd and, and those likes on a Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, no, I know the game's changed. But um, yeah, it, it, it sharpens your skills around the base of a ruck over there. <laughs> <I can imagine. laughs> not much. So you left school at half past three. Though. Not much changed. Not much changed. Really, no, yeah. yes. Now it's just up <laughs> to the golf course. Isn't it? But anyway, um, I remember you telling me... Um, a story you played against a certain um, hooker from Manchester at one point. Uh, do, you, do you want to allude? I think you might know. What I'm yeah, talking about. I, I, one of our favourite, one of our favourite yes. DORs. I, I think hookers they're they're nasty yeah. breed. My best man's a hooker, but yeah. uh, no, no. So I, I I just came. Brian Moore. He he, he tried to stamp on my head in in, in yeah. a Quinns game, uh, as hookers did in those days. But the, the nastiest of all was Steve Diamond, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he hasn't what changed at all. He hasn't changed at all. <laughs> so you have played against Steve Diamond. Yes, uh, and Jim Ballander and Paul Turner, who was you know outstanding fly half of. Uh, of his generation, yeah, and uh, it's Sale and Bristol were, were very well matched uh, in those days, and here thirty years later, they're very well matched again. Mark, can I ask, did you play in the game where where we came back from um, fifteen nil down against Queens, in the side containing Carlin, Car- uh, Will Carlin, Jason Leonard, Brian Moore, and we came back to win twenty fifteen? 
Did you play that one? No, I, I played in it when we did the double over them, where we, we played again, played in the stoop and there was a wind blowing a, an absolute gale down the pitch. So either myself or Tainton would just put a kick up and it would go about 90 metres. <laughs> uh, and then we defended with a great pack we had in those days and we defended and won a very tight game. And then back at the Memorial Ground, um, you know, with Cheeseby and uh, the likes in their team, we, we did the double over them that season. You're talking about um, Mark Tainton, Chief Executive <laughs> Officer of uh, Bristol Rugby. Yeah. Yes, uh, Ab- absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. Was he a yeah. good player in his time? He wasn't, he? He, he was he, he was a very good general, um, he, a very good goal kicker, yeah. uh, very astute brain, and that's that's, that's obviously doing the, uh, the business, if I put it that way, for Bristol at the moment. And you're still teaching uh, geography? Absolutely, yeah. very happy doing so as well. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. excellent. Yeah. What a career that was. <laughs> very good. And because I think was it uh, it was the autumn of nineteen ninety five. I think that the game actually went professional. Mm. Was that ever an option for you? Did you ever think could I make make my living out of it? No, I, I was just a, a couple of years too early. Really, yeah. um, I, th- I think when you look two or three years after that, the the scrum halves, first, second, third choice, whatever, would have been on a, on a good salary. And I look back and I'm glad I didn't have to make a decision yeah. because I, I sort of had a, you know, even though Pete sort of um, might, might mimic my uh, teaching career, you know, it, it was fine in those days. And, and you think of people like John Webb as a doctor and um, many others who sort of put down full-time careers. You're, you're only a knee injury away from not being able to play full-time rugby. So no, I don't miss it. And, um, and I, I, I look back on the tours and the camaraderie with the players with very fond memories like like many ex-players would. Things you can't really mention on a family broadcast. No, what's, what's, what, what goes on tour stays on Absolutely. tour. Yeah, so just, it should. Just like your ski trips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jules' ski Jules's trips. Jules' ski yeah. trips, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, am I, can I ask a question? Yeah, so I've just, a um, couple of things. Obviously, after you you finished playing for Bristol, you didn't stop your career there, did you? What, what did you, uh, what did you, did you play for after that? No, it was, um, it was obviously getting to my sort of late 20s, early 30s. Um, I played a couple of seasons at Bridgewater and Albion. I had a fantastic time there with a, a team coached by Dave Edgerton. And uh, then with Clifton Rugby Club. Uh, and um, so, so I look back in, within Bristol, uh, both Bristol and Clifton are, are my two teams. And um, I did some coaching after Pete Paledry at Clifton, uh, director of rugby. And uh, no, Clifton's a great setup. And I had a, had a good few years there as well, including cutting my teeth coaching with the Clifton ladies who are now the Bristol ladies. And, um, you know, you, you can see some, some very, very strong players that I was able to coach from the women's game and uh, I'm, I'm a strong supporter. Yeah, one of the, you know, if you ask me who, who one of my favourite players is, or is Susie Appleby, who, um, who was a fantastic scrum half-stroke fly half uh, for women's rugby. And um, uh, a girl called um, Bird, who, who's it? Who's, a who, who, bird, bird. A bird called yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, a bird called no, the, the Welsh girl. number eight, yeah. the Welsh number eight Hall of Famer, Lisa oh, Burgess, yeah. who, who again was uh, ahead of her time as, uh, as a very, very strong number eight. And also, I also understand you've got a little, you, you, you had some contact with um, Ellis Genge at some point in his, his career. Yeah, I, I think I think I look at p- people like Carl Dixon, etc. Scrum halves always think they can run a game anyway. I was a Chopsy scrum half, as most are. So I, I did. I'm a member of the Bristol Referee Society and for a couple of years did some refereeing and refereeing sort of under-16s, Cleve versus Thornbury, etc. Ellis Genge was uh, one I had to have a word with a couple of times. <laughs> did, he, did he call you sir? He, he did call me sir. and He was, he was very polite and uh, what I can't believe, he was bowling over 16-year-olds and he now bowls over... Fellow you know, international, so he's made the step up uh, amazingly well. And I did spot him at sort of 15, 16 and say uh, he, he could go an awful long way, and as he has. 
We're Mark, pretty proud of him, aren't we, here on the, on the pod? Absolutely, absolutely. Mark, um, just interested to hear about maybe the best scrum half you, you ever came up against. Yeah, um, I, I played against David Cook, who um, was the uh, New Zealand scrum half who, who lifted the very first World 80, Cup. 87. 87. He, he then went on to play for Oxford University. So, again, he was, he, he was a class scrum half. And interesting, if, if I link back to the game, obviously, growing up as a young scrum half, I thought Richard Harding was a fantastic scrum half, uh, someone you could learn from. Uh, Dowie Morris was a tough scrum half. Um, ben Young's dad was a very good scrum half. Again, I'm feeling a bit old now. Um, but I think the best one with the fastest pass was a guy called Rob Saunders, um, who I played for universities when he was playing for Irish universities against England universities. He was a superb player. And it's worth noting that his son came on to play nine for Quinns today in the last 15 minutes. So, wow. yeah, R- Rob Saunders would be uh, one of the better players I've played against. And we were talking about that, weren't we, mm. just before we started the show, the number of sons that have come through and that are playing actually uh, at the top level at the moment is just quite incredible, really. Yeah, yeah no, it's I, I, we were talking still all, I think. Yeah. We were talking loads of them, weren't they? And, uh, I mean, you know, Bristol-wise, there's a few, aren't they? Pelledge, well, I know he didn't, he's not with Bristol, but he started, but, you know, one that got away. And, uh, well, I was going to say Tainton, but he's done well as a media manager. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the Andy Dunn's son yeah. is, is, is on the fringes of Bristol and seeing him European matches is looking very good. And then, yeah, yeah Northampton seemed to have, yeah. you know, every slight home. Uh, Grayson, as we mentioned, yeah, yeah. Grayson, Malinder. Malinder, um, yeah. yeah. We yeah. could go further afield. We've got the Intermax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hastings, the Hastings. Hastings. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I guess they're brought up in rugby families, yeah. and well, uh, we know. were saying that we, you know, we 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 follow, um, you know, Jordan Crane on Twitter, and, and every five minutes he's got a video of his son clearing out, you know, a doll's house in his living room and uh, kicking a conversion in the in the garden, and I, I mean, you could kind of see why it happens and. And that was his boy, wasn't it, that came out with Stephen Luatoa? Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. I did it think was. at one yeah. time Stephen Luatoa was going to forget and sprint on the pitch and Hunter would be dragged along behind yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You could see he was being very, very, very careful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's great to see. I, I just think it's, it, his dad's obviously given the rugby ball and if they run with it, uh, you know, they're rugby players and if they kick it, they're a fly halves. <laughs> <laughs> so... You've seen the game change tremendously since uh, since you played it. Um, where do you see, or how would you like to see it develop? Maybe in the next five years, we've talked on the show about ring fencing. Um, you know, is is that the kind of thing you think is a, a necessary step in the world of rugby as it stands now, or are you still someone that would like to see the um, open relegation and promotion? to the top flight really interested to hear your thoughts as an ex-player yeah I, I think looking at the, the league structure at the moment and looking at the championship I think it's a very good time to ring fence I know it's a controversial issue um, I spent a, a year or two in New Zealand in Christchurch uh, and saw um, the Crusaders when they won their first uh, you know and because there was no relegation the rugby's fantastic there's no dour dogging it out for a bonus point losing bonus point etc and I, and I think that the Northampton coach was sort of saying, you know, on, on TV the other night that that Northern Hemisphere rugby is a little bit of dull in comparison. And I, I still, I'm all one for scrums and rucks and lineouts, etc. But I think if our referees and, and coaches, there was no relegation, I think as an entertainment and spectacle, I think it'd be fantastic. 
Yeah, and I think I mean I agree with you actually, and I think ultimately, what is sport all about? I mean, it's a, it is a, it is a spectacle, and if you're going to get people interested in watching it and playing it, it's got to be a good product. And uh, I think there's a lot of issues. I think rugby's at a little bit of a maybe not a crossroads, mm. but it's definitely a, a kind of turn in the road at the moment with all sorts of issues, mm. like you know, TV and ring fencing and rule changing and all this sort of stuff. And I, I just hope that you know that 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 the right decisions are made by the right people, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the fans perhaps, you know, and, and the spectacle and then the enjoyment of all of us, the 99.99999% who won't ever have the experience of playing at top level, but still can enjoy looking at it. So. Mark, I think you've got something you'd like to add? Well, well absolutely. I just think, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Dragons game in the quarterfinal. Mm. And, and I've really enjoyed the French teams coming over. And I think that just gives you the opportunity to play rugby with freedom. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've just really enjoyed those games. And I think if we play more, more and more of those games or the style, mm. you can do that when you're not looking at relegation. And as we saw in, in the last five, six years, it's, it's, a, it's a yo-yo type situation mm. where the, the club that's coming up c- can go down. I know, you know, maybe every five years they could look at a playoff or something like that. But, but at the moment, I think we're in a position where ring fencing would be a, a good one. I, I, I do agree. A few few weeks ago on the podcast, I, I talked about, I think in the, the paper column as well, the idea of maybe even having the franchises, that the NFL-style franchises, it doesn't mean that you close the door forever, that potentially sometime in the future you might expand when a club has the stadium and the backing mm-hmm. and the squad to be able to compete. But you just look at the championship, really, and um, you know w- whether you can really see someone making that kind of investment for uh, to take on a, a Premiership team on a, oh, a, a, ch- a chance to get to get yeah. back up. Like London Welsh. Yeah, well, you look what at happened to them. Richmond. Uh, absolutely, Richmond, yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sitting in the chair for Miles. Um, yeah, I think we'll have to have words about Miles's contract, boys. Um, you know, what, what, for renewal, who, isn't it? For renewal, Miles yeah, who? Miles who. <laughs> but before before we go, we've we've got the return of our gets my goat feature, and uh, who's who's going to take it this time? I think it is going to be Lee, um, and we've got we've got a goat from today. What's got yeah. your goat today? Well, I think this was a collective one. We all said immediately at the time, didn't we? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I mean, obviously, it was it was the the section right at the end of the game where, um, you know, we went to the TMO. <clears throat> so it was a passage of play. Wasn't passage there? of play. We were going for the bonus point win. Yeah. Referees looking at the TMO on a big screen, and literally, what pops up? Dancy with his microphone and Simba can, and we all looked at each other. I mean, literally, the collective groans throughout the crowd, and. We just, I mean, we just, I know if we're going to have a Simba camp, fine. And there is a lot of people that do like it. But let's get it in context. Let's get it, like, let's get Simba camp on when there's nothing else going on in play but the TMO. Um, sorry, I'm just reading, I'm yeah, just reading I, this. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I think... I can't believe they cut the coverage when, you know, potentially it was a knock-on, wasn't it? A deliberate knock-on. We'd had a yellow card for that in the first half. The referee, and we've seen it at games at the gate when they notice a replay being played and maybe will then call for the TMO. And it just about gets to the point where he's going to knock the ball on 
and there's Downsy's face. And I think they do need to get a bit of a grip with this. In the last 10 minutes of a game, actually, we don't need Simba Cam. Let's, let's, let's let the tension build. And certainly mm. let's not interfere with a, a, a video replay that maybe would give Bristol um, the, the benefit. I, I mean, are we going to give a little bit of leeway to Downsy on this? I mean, he's probably just being told to do it through his little mic. Yes. Plugging it. But, you know, he's probably fuming as well because he's gone back and he realised that that's the, the association of all that groaning yeah. was his little face. Yeah. Um, it was a definitely it was it was it was an own goal that one wasn't it for Downsy today and uh, he'll come back stronger he'll learn from it he'll got some work ons after yeah, that yeah you got you learn around the stadium though I I saw in in the dorm and in the section where where all the families are there's quite a few little cuddly Simbas in there hmm. so you know we're trying to get the, the young generation uh, my daughter's got sort of uh, this rugby span of about twenty minutes so we have to keep her fed you know for the for the second <laughs> half. Etc. So, but I, I think it's there. I think it was just done at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think one of our followers on um, Twitter has been in contact. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to quick one before we finish. And um, uh, well, a big fan of ours, Matt Crew. He's uh, he's always Good commenting, one, and and uh, you know he's he's a local rugby aficionado. Enjoys uh, enjoys his rugby, but he's um, he, he's just reminded us actually that if we could give a cheeky plug. For the uh, for the combination game next Wednesday, oh yes, because yes. um, uh, the senior uh, senior Bristol game um, for next Wednesday, and uh, you know, so if anyone's around and, and they're uh, playing, they're playing uh, the old enemy, aren't they? The Bath, they are, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, isn't it? A re- so they already played. It's like a rematch, isn't it? From they yes. played recently, and they yes. were on. They were on the, the the guys from the combination were on the scrum a couple of few weeks ago promoting it. I know uh, Jeff Twentyman's a big fan. He'll probably be down there. I imagine. Mm. Take your interview. So yeah, if anyone's around, I think they do. They play at Lockleys. So, yeah, or oh, that one, the, the one before. I don't know where they're playing next Wednesday, but and I think it's great. I mean, Mark, you must have the combination was pretty strong back in your days. It's nice to see these games being played again. Uh, it is fantastic. The Bristol combination has for years and years been the backbone of Bristol. Joycey came out of Southmead, Alan Sharp, 20, 30 years before him. So there's the king and the, the future king of Southmead, etc. No, it's great to see. And, and and I think the shield's on the wall in the stadium. I think Pilning Rugby Club are going to try and sneak theirs up there. Um, they're disbanded, but they're a great club in their day. And I, and I just think the history, and you look at all the top Bristol players who've come through the combination, it's great to see it still going. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. Um, once again, our special guest, Mark, thanks ever so much uh, for, for joining us for this podcast. That's five wins on the trot. The first time Bristol have done that in the top flight. Um, we'll be back next week, but of course, we haven't got a game for a couple of weeks. So uh, until next week, when Bears Beyond the Gate returns, come on, Briz. Come on, Briz.